G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Blindness to the truth is a disease that seems to be striking a lot of people in the church, whether they are in the pulpit or in the pew. Paul writes concerning these folks, he said, The God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine on them. Imagine suddenly, or even slowly, having the faces of those you love fade into darkness through blindness. It's probably one of the most difficult things that can happen to a person during their life. Today, how Jesus healed the physical blindness of a man and reveals the blindness in all of our lives. Listen with me as Dr. Yusuf begins a message called Jesus Turns on the Light. Please turn with me to the Word of God, John chapter 9. There you'll find Jesus opening the eyes of the man who was born blind. This is the sixth in the series of miracles from the Gospel of John, opening the man's eyes who was born blind. My mother used to have a saying, a blindness is a blindness of the heart and not of the eyes. And how true it is. If she told me the story of Helen Keller once, she told it to me a thousand times. And that's why I try to spare my kids telling about Helen Kell. Every time we complain about not having something, he says, remember Helen Kell. <laughs> we are told in the Gospels that Jesus healed blindness at least on seven different occasions. In fact, there are more miracles of giving sight back to the blinds more than any other category of any miracle. And that is very significant. It is very important because there is no story of a sight ever being restored to a blind person recorded anywhere in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the giving of sight to the blind is associated with God alone. Exodus 4.11 and Psalm 146.8. In the Old Testament, we read that the opening of the eyes of the blind is the prerogative of of the Messiah alone when He comes. Isaiah chapter 29, chapter 35, and chapter 47. Here in John's Gospel, chapter 9, we read that Jesus was moved with compassion toward this man who was born blind. This beggar who was sitting outside the temple gate, presumably an enterprising guy, and capitalizing on the compassion of those who were coming out of worship. Didn't that little he knew that the light of the world was passing by him. This man who was blind from birth is a representative of every one of us. All of us were born spiritually blind. No matter how youthful, no matter how beautiful, no matter how intellectual we may be, we're all born spiritually blind. But notice that while the disciples were interested in the cause of blindness, Jesus was interested in restoring this man's sight. 
When we come to Jesus, we are condemned. Our sins condemn us. Our hearts condemn us. Our consciousness condemn us. Our neighbors condemn us. Our friends condemn us. Satan condemns us. But Jesus sets us free. Satan and the flesh are always concerned of heaping guilt and heaping condemnation upon us. But Jesus is anxious to set us free. Satan and the flesh are always concerned about how deeply we have sinned. Jesus is concerned of how genuine our repentance is. Satan and the flesh are always concerned of how we committed sins that are unforgettable and unforgivable. But Jesus said, my blood cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And the disciples here were speculating on the relationship between the people's sicknesses and their diseases. But Jesus was interested in glorifying the Father. Look at the passage carefully. The disciples were philosophizing as to the nature of man's blindness. But Jesus was philanthropizing, I made up a word, in restoring this man's sight. Not only the disciples were off track, but the neighbors were confused. They did not know whether this is the same guy. The neighbors did not know how to take the change in this man's life. The neighbors did not know what to make of this change that has taken place. The neighbors who did not ever hear or see anything like this ever happen before were confused and wondering if it's the same man. And the man insisted, I'm the one. So in their confusion, they took the man to the Pharisees. Now listen carefully. Taking a healed man to the Pharisees is like arguing the pro-life position to the National Organization for Women. I mean, just imagine, it's like taking a blind man whose sight has been restored to the Pharisees is like talking about sexual abstinence to the Planned Parenthood organization. I mean, this is absolutely the wrong place to go. But you see, the Pharisees have always majored on the minors, and they minored on the majors. That's the best summary of who they were. After putting the man through the ringer, as it were, together with his family, and when they could not refute the evidence of the healing of the man, finally they said, ah, Jesus made a clay on the Sabbath. And you've got to figure something. Forget about the man's side being restored. That's not the point. Forget about the man's life being changed forever. Forget about all this. Forget about the man who was as good as dead, and now he lives with vigor and true life. What mattered to these folks is the precious little rules or the interpretation of the rule was broken. You see, there is a relationship between physical blindness and spiritual blindness. In fact, the Bible tells us that physical blindness is a type of spiritual blindness. And it is not therefore surprising that Jesus is the only one, none of the prophets of the Old Testament, Jesus is the only one Who not only able to restore the sight, physical sight, but spiritual sight. That's why Peter calls him a stumbling block, you see. You either have to believe that Jesus is the only one who can reach down and open your spiritual eyes, or you will never see at all. He's the only one who can do it. And that is why after healing this blind man, Jesus said, look at verse 39. He said, for judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. What does he mean? What does he mean by that? 
Those who humbly admit their spiritual inadequacy, those who humbly admit their spiritual needs will receive the spiritual sight. But those who convince themselves and deceive themselves in self-knowledge are going to remain blind. Today I want to speak to you about six forms of blindness that attack Christians. In fact, I'm not making those up. Every one of them come from the Word of God. Whenever the Word of God said something is blindness, I got it here in these six forms of blindness. But before I get to those six forms of blindness in the life of a Christian, I want to tell you, blindness to the truth is a disease that seems to be striking a lot of people in the church, whether they are in the pulpit or in the pew. Paul writes concerning these folks, he said, The God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine on them. Jesus described those leaders in the church, leaders, religious leaders, in these words in Matthew 15, 14. He said, they are the blind who are leading the blinds. And they're going to pay, the leaders are going to pay a heavier price in the day of judgment than those whom they led. Spiritually blind people, whether they are in the visible church or outside of the visible church, are unable to conceive that the only faith, that only faith in Jesus Christ will bring spiritual sight, salvation. They are unable to accept that someone dying on the cross 2,000 years ago can atone for their sins today. They are unable to grasp that salvation is a free gift of God apart from human endeavor. And that is why you have people in the pews and people in the pulpits who are spiritually blind. But I want to speak about these six forms of blindness that seem that the Bible talks about hit those born-again believers. Those whose spiritual eyes are open. Those who are Christians. Those who are going to heaven. And I want you to listen very carefully and see if you can identify with any of these. And if you don't, you and I are going to have a great time at the end of this message. The first form of blindness is spiritual maturity, Christian maturity. Listen to what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. He said, those who lack godliness, who do not live a godly life, they are blind. They cannot see because they forgot that they have been cleansed from their own other sins. In other words, immature Christians suffer both from spiritual myopia as well as spiritual amnesia. There are believers who are born again, who live their life in spiritual immaturity. They live all their life in a spiritual nursery. Now I want to tell you something. When you see a baby blowing bubbles, you think it's cute, right? But I don't think you and I ever think of a 50-year-old man blowing bubbles is cute. But i got news for you. Spiritual immaturity is like that. Somebody who's been a Christian for many years and still blowing spiritual bubbles. I pray God would deliver you today from that. The second form of blindness that the Bible talks about is blindness to the eternal perspective. I am told that there is a rare condition. It's called visual agnosia. It is a rare neurological condition. It's a disorder which prevents the person from seeing the whole scene, the whole thing, the whole picture. 
This condition causes the victim to identify details about a person's face, for example. Maybe in my case, you know, the big nose or the trimmed mustache. But this victim is prevented from recognizing this friend's picture when he sees it as a whole. That's a rare condition. The equivalence of this condition in the spiritual realm is when a Christian runs from detail to detail, from crisis to crisis, from problem to problem, from fight to fight, and they're never able to see the eternal perspective, unable to see the whole picture, and unable to see things from God's perspective. Now, the Pharisees were suffering from spiritual agnosia. Listen carefully when they would rather see the man stay blind for the rest of his life than being healed simply because of a form of interpretation that is erroneous anyhow, you can tell that they suffered from deep spiritual agnosia. And there are many Christians in the church suffering from that today. There are Christians who are so bogged down with little rules. They're so bogged down with little regulations. They're so bogged down with little rituals. They're so bogged down with legalism that they miss the whole picture of eternal perspective. There are some of whom Jesus said in verse 24 of John 9, they strain the gnats in the cup, but they swallow the camel. Take a picture of that. (laughs) Strain the gnats, but they swallow the camel. The third form of blindness is blindness to our own faults. You know, we parents are really guilty of that. I confess. You know, we often, what we don't like in our children is basically what they're seeing in us and imitating us in the long run when you really think about it. I heard of this woman in California who became very agitated at the continuous hacking kind of a cough by her parrot. I mean, she was getting really ticked off. And finally, she took the parrot to the vet. And the vet examined the the bird, and he found that the parrot is very healthy, and there's nothing wrong with the parrot. All along, the parrot was all the parrot was doing is that he was imitating the raspy bark of its cigarette smoking owner. He was just mimicking her. Jesus warns against us finding the sliver in the eye of our neighbor, and ignoring the log that's in our own eye. The fourth form of blindness is blindness of money. Now, I want you to strap your seat belts on this one. <laughs> Write down. Read the following. I don't have the time. I wish I did. Exodus 23.8, Deuteronomy 16.19, and 1 Samuel 12.3. A coin is a small thing. It's as small as a penny, perhaps. But if you get it too close to your eye, it blocks the sun. But also blocks the sun of righteousness. To most people, money is like shoe. If the amount they have is too small, it pinches and irritates. And if it's too much or too large, it causes them to stumble and fall. I want to tell you something. I'm assuming that we believe what Jesus said, right? Amen? Thank you. And what Jesus said, that if you really want to know, listen carefully, if you really want to know what kind of a person you're dealing with, don't examine his or her personal biblical knowledge. Don't necessarily fall for what they tell you who they are. They might be true and might not. Don't look at the outward appearance of what a super Christian you're talking to. No. He said, if you really want to take a a spiritual temperature of a person, 
find out where the bulk of their money is. I'm still assuming that we believe that Jesus knows best, right? He said, where your money is, not where your heart is. He said, where your money is, that's where your heart. If I want to know where your hot button is, I've got to find out where your money is. If I find out where your priorities are, find out where your money is. If I find out where your commitment is, I want to know where your money is. That's what Jesus said. I'm only obeying Jesus. He didn't say find out where the person spent his time or if a person is generous with giving you advice. <laughs> no, he said find out where the money is because that's you're going to find the heart. But the Bible said even more about this. The Bible said regardless of your outward spirituality, regardless of your super Christianity, regardless of your biblical knowledge, if you're not a tither, you are as good as the guy who put his hand in the offering plate and take money out instead of putting it in. You can figure that one out. The fifth form of blindness is the blindness of hate. 1 John chapter 2, verse 11 tells us that he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because he is in darkness. Because of the blindness of the eyes. John is saying this. That if your heart is full of hatred towards somebody, that hatred is going to hurt you the most. Because you will stumble and you will fall. Because you will go from hitting the door to hitting the table. You're going to go from bumping into the wall, bruising your head into falling down the stairs and breaking your back. Hatred is blindness that Christians need to be delivered from. I want to tell you something. Taking a stand in a wishy-washy society like I do, you can believe that I got a lot of people who don't necessarily like me very much. And I love it. <laughs> the Bible said, war unto you. And people said, well, speak well of you, right? And I claim that promise. Somebody called me something about a year and a half ago. lady said, my husband hates you. I said, good. Tell him to take a number and line up. We've got a long line around this building. <laughs> but I want to tell you something, Christian. Please listen. You can never afford to hate back. It is not what God wants you to do. God cannot use you if your heart is full of bitterness and hatred. He cannot bless you. The best thing you can do for those who hate you is to pray for them. And you know what you do when you pray for them? You are lifting them and giving them up to God's justice. And he can do a better job than you will ever hope to do. And at the same time, you're putting a robe of righteousness around you. Not your righteousness, but the righteousness of God. Well, I've gone longer than I intended. The sixth form of blindness is the blindness of half-hearted commitments. Jesus sends a message to the lukewarm Christians in the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. He said, Because you say, I am rich and increased in goods and have no need of anything, while you don't know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, and blind, and naked, I counsel you to anoint your eye with salve that you may see. Half-hearted commitment is an abomination unto the Lord. Lukewarm Christians are not pleasing to the Lord. He will almost will spit them out. And I want to tell you today, whatever blindness you may identify with, I'll appeal to you in the name of the Lord Jesus.
to be delivered from it today. With the same power that opened the eyes of that blind man, Jesus' power is here with us today. And He's able to come and deliver you from whatever blindness you're suffering from. One of the first transplants, eye transplants ever taken place was in New York, in Manhattan, in the 27th of January, 1951. It was a South African citizen. And a man died in Michigan, donated his eyes, and they did the eye transplant. And the man was finally returning home to South Africa to see his family for the first time. The South African newspaper headline said, he will see his family for the first time through a dead man's eyes. And how true it is. For it is through the dying of the God-man on the cross that your spiritual sight became possible. That my spiritual sight became possible. Through his death, you and I live. Through his closing of his eyes on Calvary, our eyes were opened fully. His was the separation from the Father, so that yours can be eternity. His was the curse of sin, so that yours and mine be the blessing of God. When he hung on the cross, he lifted you up, he lifted me up. Through a dead man's eyes, you and I are able to see. What is your blind spot? Blindness to the truth? Blindness to spiritual maturity, the blindness to the eternal perspective, the blindness of seeing when your own faults, is it blindness of money, is it blindness of hatred, or is it blindness of half-hearted commitment? May God open our eyes that we may see more clearly. You're listening to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. To listen to today's message again or share with friends, visit our website, download the app, or use your smart speaker. All the details are at ltw.org, ltw.org. That music is our cue that our time together is over for today. Do listen again next time, won't you? This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.